Welcome to Unlearn. I'm Kat. And I'm Misha. And we are back. Second, second episode, season two. Season two. Season two. <laughs> and we're coming, we're, we're uh, still coming with every episode, Hot Fire. So get excited and continue listening. Uh, so we're going to start with today's first segment, This Week in Politics. This Week in a Comedy Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Our current political climate is a tragic comedy show. Uh, and so we're going to, well, you know, if Donald Trump doesn't stop making a fool of himself, then, then maybe we'll stop watching. But until then, we just can't. It's like a train wreck. You it's, can't turn you away. You can't. You can't. It's all right. So let's talk about the tragedy that is Donald Trump. Uh, he has decided that now that he's wrapped up the racist white vote, he's going to start appealing to people of color because, you know, we're low-key taking over these days. Um, and <laughs> he's garnered a couple of Latino voters. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have you heard of any cool stories about Latino voters? Oh, have I? Do I have a story for you, Kat? Okay. So, is it Mexicans for Donald Trump? We're just gonna mm-hmm. say yes. I'm gonna say that's a fact. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like their shirts were so the Donald Trump team printed out these shirts. Um, Latinos better uh, Don or. Latinas better Trump and I was like, but that's the wrong that's the wrong word. It should be bored. It's not better. I was like, who made these shirts? Why didn't you want why did someone use just Google bro- Translate like this? Just put that by somebody. What? It's easy. <laughs> Is this correct? Yeah or no? Right. Ask someone who can actually speak Spanish. It's a better or poor. Like, come on, get it together. I wouldn't have known, but thank you for educating. Yeah. Us. <laughs> it was like it's like silly. It was just a silly mistake. Okay, I continue. Mexicans for Donald Trump. Yes. This man's <laughs> on a new show. He says Mexicans are a dominant people. They take over. Everywhere we are, our culture takes over. If you keep letting these people in, they're going to be taco trucks on every corner. I don't see the problem, though. The whole nation had an outcry. They said, what's wrong with a taco truck on every corner? That sounds exactly. amazing. That sounds like we're all living. If making America great again is getting a taco truck on every corner, sign me up. <laughs> you done taking my trip from 30 minutes to 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> Here, take my money. It's about to boost the economy. Right. <laughs> take my money because I love tacos so much. And they just build a community. Can you imagine yeah. a network that will come out of that? <laughs> Come on. Who let these people speak? <laughs> I mean, I guess we got freedom of speech. Right. But. Yeah. Some of uh, I was watching Donald Trump in Detroit with uh, Ben Carson and Omarosa shaking hands and talking to black voters. And he could not look more uncomfortable. No, he could. Him in a black church during service he could awkwardly swing as like everyone is catching the spirit like black he's just jesus like made him very uncomfortable <laughs> he was like i can't stand this black jesus figure. i mean if you want if you want a smile on your face you should just watch donald trump at a black church swaying with Cat, a random that, clap. Ain't nothing about that sway made random me smile clap. i was very uncomfortable <laughs> i smiled now one time when i was watching that 
I I started it and I had to stop immediately. <laughs> Everyone around him was like, "Yes, yes!" Like you know, when you go to a black church and just it's lit, it's always lit. People were so in the spirit they forgot Donald Trump was there, right. <laughs> but the media did not forget because it made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> so, uh, and just note that we recorded this Labor Day weekend. We cannot be held responsible for any tomfoolery that happens this week between the airing of this episode and Donald Trump being a general dumbass. So if we miss something, don't come for us, listeners. Don't please. come for us. We time, man. What, what we are I bound say? by the constraints of time. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump ain't though. Let me right. tell you that. <laughs> um so now we're gonna go into part two of the criminal justice system. Mm-mm-mm. And so something that we were talking about a little bit earlier uh, with policing is just how um, they they make promises to elicit false con- confessions. And then often um, in, when the case reaches the court system, these people are will plead guilty to crimes they couldn't commit because the lawyers like they are probably going to find you guilty. There's. Just, like there's just enough evidence it might be circumstantial but it's just enough evidence for where you'll probably get like five to ten years but you can take like t- 13 mm-hmm. to 15 months mm-hmm. as opposed to like taking a good chunk of like your life away so like mm-hmm. there are very real and very common examples where people who don't know better who don't have the resources plead guilty mm-hmm. um to crimes they didn't commit just because like if they feel helpless, like they feel like the system is stacked against them and that they do, even though they're innocent, try their luck in court, will get 15 years as opposed to like 15 months. Something else that the media skews is that belief that uh, that everything goes to trial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the vast majority of criminal cases are resolved by pleading. Yeah. Um, and so... Again, all these values at play, efficiency. We don't have time for everybody to go to trial. It takes a long time. takes a lot of resources. Right. Um, and, yeah, and so the pleading stage is kind of a crazy one because, mm-hmm. yeah, you have efficiency as a value, but then you also have, did we get this right as a value? Yeah. <laughs> justice, the yeah. justice part of it. Um, On a basic human level, though, I'm, I'm sure the survival instinct has to kick in and you're just like yo if it if it really doesn't work in my favor i could be going away for a long time Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. i'll take the deal Mm -hmm. i could i feel like helplessness will cause you to do some extreme things if you really don't feel like it could be better yeah for sure or again like i mean you can be told that you know, you have three charges against you. Um, we'll drop two and keep just the one. You know, this one, though, isn't a felony, whereas the other two are. And But, like, if you go to trial, you'll, pr- you know, the prosecutor tell you definitely lose on all of them. So you'll have a you'll be a felon. But mm-hmm. if you do this, like, it's just a misdemeanor and you only have to serve this much. But it still affects them when they come out into society yeah, afterwards. Right. I mean, right. You're probably if you're living in public housing, you're more than likely kicked out and you're mm-hmm. displaced. Where do you live? Um, same thing with like the juveniles. Um, if 
uh, you're a kid and you're living in public housing with your family, it's not just you who has to leave. It's your whole family that has to leave. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, and, yeah, I mean, then you, yeah. usually, like, for felons, you can't vote. Um, it's just, it's an entire cycle, like you were saying, Misha. Yeah, it's so it's so crazy. So, like, let's say you go to jail, you serve your time, and then you can't vote. It's like you're saying... Yes, I don't have these rights for the amount of time I'm in prison. Then I come out, and then I also don't, I still have, don't these have these rights. rights. I can't get a job. I can't vote. I don't got housing. Right. right. Mm-hmm. It's why Obama was big on like the get rid of the box thing and mm-hmm. um, and federal jobs. Do you know what else? Uh, you know what else Obama did? Moved moved away from privatized. Yeah, they want to. That's yeah. our president, mm-hmm. <laughs> Barack. Yeah. Um, so I'm, like, really interested to see how uh, – because then he also, like, passed some legislation to – he changed the drug mandate or something because before it was, like, you would can get convicted of, like, something like marijuana 100 to 1 as opposed to, like, 5 to 1 for cocaine. So things that are, like, more traditionally white drugs, you get lower yes. conviction. Y'all know I think he's, about? like, for those things, but I don't necessarily know that that – like happened i mean he commuted a bunch of sentences Mm -hmm. to make that point Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. people who were just like simple drug possession right um offenders um but i don't know i guess you have to get back to us on that like yeah i feel like i heard something about that i have no idea I well, like let's talk a little bit more about racialized legislation. So mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like I've talked a little, a little before on the show about the war on drugs and like Richard Nixon basically. You hate the Nixons. It is. It was all <laughs> the drug war was, or it was, is still a dog whistle, right? For people oh. of color. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a race, like a war on people of color. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I've, Richard Nixon was basically, how can I find a way to put more black people in jail? Like, I swear that was a real conversation. It was. That sounds yeah. like I a mean, very easy question to ask. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can't, you I can't mean, actually, illegal, but. I think it was Reagan who made his announcement in like 82, mm-hmm. I think, about like officially having a war on drugs. And mm-hmm. at the time, there was actually no... There was no epidemic over drugs in the country. Right. Um, it was not a big deal. Actually, a lot of Americans didn't think it was a you know top priority. Right. This man said, I need to go to war on something. <laughs> but his promises, you know, there, a lot of Republicans in their campaigns at that time were promising things like law and order. Mm-hmm. And that was all code for, you know, we're going to we're going to fix this whole integration thing that just mm-hmm. happened to us a lot of a lot of us don't like that and so we can't say these things explicitly anymore that we don't like integration but we're going to do something about it we're going right. to find a way to make the hierarchy that we're all used to having and that's what the war on drugs was about and right. that's why we're in such trouble with our mass incarceration right and it's so like reagan was <laughs> he's definitely like the one to really explode the problem and i mean even i very ironically like everyone 
black it's like a kind of well-known thing that black people love bill clinton but he didn't really do much for the war on drugs and like there was this whole narrative of like the super predator by hillary clinton who um she was appealing to voters right Mm -hmm. and it's like and it's it's I find it's just so ironic because I, I remember growing up in the Clinton era and so many of like so many black people were just like, yeah, like Bill Clinton, the first black president, because, you know, that's how to play the saxophone or like just oh, something he was on the Arsenio Hall show. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just so it's so ridiculous. Like, but if you knew about the legislation yeah. and how he didn't really do much for black people, right. <laughs> <laughs> he just I mean, I think the African-American community was impressed that he put he put. African Americans like in his cabinet. You yeah, know, he was actually mm-hmm. like the first president to like be um, forward about that. But, yeah, you know, then like you don't know about things that like you know. There's no, there was no legislation that was passed that was like this is going to be our way to lock up African Americans mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so when you hear, and certainly is the case that there are lots of African Americans who were all about you know stricter law and order Mm -hmm. and so that was easy to ride that train and be like yeah like we don't want all of this drug and crime in our streets so yeah but that was like during the crack epidemic too right and that played a pretty big role right so they don't even hear the dog whistle themselves they don't recognize it happening that still happens today thank god for (laughs) y'all thank goodness we're helping people unlearn uh, learn these harmful narratives right and do some research on google stuff mm-hmm. um so like what are what are the societal impacts of this for a community of color like how how is this very biased like policing court system government like how how's it impacting so i know like it's a very familiar narrative where it would, uh, a lot of people like to point out that black men are not in the households because he's in, they're in prison. And um, so I, I don't know. I feel like I hear that a lot, but I don't feel like that's necessarily a reason. Why hide your kids, hide lot. your wife. <laughs> snatching everybody up. That's how it affects. <laughs> hide them. Uh, it is just this. And so I don't want, okay, the prison system really does play a big role in incarcerating black men. Mm-hmm. And at this point, a lot of black women and a lot of women of color have been affected on drug charges specifically. Um, and it just seems like, and since, so since it, it impacts more directly and more harmfully for like the black community, like it's disproportionately impacting mm-hmm. the black community. Um, and then like also kind of creating this, mentality where prison is just like like you everyone know like every black person expectation yeah Mm -hmm. and so like when you grow up in school um it's a school to prison pipeline right Mm -hmm. that's how yeah that's how all of these things have permeated weren't you a teacher before (laughs) weren't you a teacher before you were a lawyer why don't you didn't you have a lot of black students (laughs) yes i did um all my kids were black um I taught in a Title I school in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina, and the school-to-prison pipeline is a real thing. Mm-hmm. I have seen kids taken out of school by a police officer, driven home in a cop car. Um, 
I've had to show up to testify for a student, against a student. Um, and not like on my own will or anything like that, but that's the reality. Like, yeah, it's like get fired is, or show up. Yeah, the expectation is is that these kids are going to end up in prison anyway. And so mm-hmm. we're building prisons at a faster rate than we're building schools for mm-hmm. them, um, which is sick because yeah. – and we're doing this like based on like how many are born so every so often, you know, like if there are this many um, black boys being born. Like this is how many more prisons we need to have built by the oh, time Lord. they're of an adult age. Okay. And it's sickening. So by the time these kids get to like middle school, I mean, even before then, they've already it's already like in them, too. It's already internalized very much so and so they know that their path is either going to be i'm going to drop out or if i graduate like nothing's going to happen like i'm not Mm going to get out of nowhere Mm -hmm. um and so what do i do like i can't get there aren't many jobs here for me and so like status what do i how do i get Mm -hmm. status status is like i I need to be a part of something i need to like feel protected and so that's what draws them to the gangs and Mm -hmm. certainly like i've always said that there's always so much attention and necessary attention on urban children and like how we need to reach out to them and help them and things like that. But, like, people don't think about rural kids. Like, rural kids Mm -hmm. straight up have nothing to do. Sometimes I would just, like, say out loud, be (laughs) like, where, like, where are you hiding these guns? Like, I don't, like, in the cornfield? Like, I don't know where. (laughs) Like, so it's really easy to get into trouble out there. You burning stuff? I I forgot you were a rural kid from South Carolina. I am. That's why I was like, yeah, seriously. Why do you think people get pregnant at like 14? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There ain't nothing to do. There's nothing to do. Well, I was also going to say, talking about how this affects society at large, Mm -hmm. at least for communities of color, it does make you start to internalize certain things about your community. Mm -hmm. It also perpetuates very hurtful narratives. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like black men are never at home. If you, a black man gets you pregnant, then they're going to leave you. Maybe because they were picked up off the street by somebody who already had a paper filled out for them before they even left the office, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. I think that is also something that it does. It it has this cr- narrative and creates this narrative in people's minds. Mm-hmm. They then internalize mm-hmm. and then just feeds this very just... It's hard to break the it's cycle once break. you've internalized right. something mm-hmm. like that. It's hard and it's hard when you don't have it in front of you to see what it looks like and you know you've got people who care about you telling you like you need to go to school and like school's the way out and college and da 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 but they have no concept of what that looks like and mm-hmm. like how to do that and it's scary. I mean they're right. not going to say that out loud but like yeah like and I mean, I, and I can say that I, I can kind of understand that, like growing up as a female of color, like not, I didn't know a single lawyer mm-hmm. growing up, like let alone a female of color one. Like, You're killing so, the like, game. You're killing the game. Look at her, cat. <laughs> but so like, I, expert. I, yeah, I can understand that. Like, I mean, if you just, you don't know someone who's just like you and mm-hmm. like he's made it and he's done it, like it's just 
where do you find the motivation to keep going to keep doing it and i think you really hear that when kids are like black people don't do x black people don't do y they don't Mm -hmm. do z because in their Mm -hmm. life they haven't been given an example of people doing this Mm -hmm. not to say that those people don't exist yes right but that's like when barack became president i was like y'all this don't mean nothing because he's the exception to a lot Mm -hmm. of these kids rules right but at yeah. least he exists as yes, true. Like he he's there. He's like a tangible. He shows them thing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, that's so sad. Well, so let's talk about like U.S. society all together. So everyone knows we have the largest prison population. We don't have the largest population. There are many countries with much larger populations than ours. We don't. But we have the largest prison we population. Have, we have all of our people in prison. It's like, it's just Something so like a third of our population is in prison. Yeah. It's, it's like a ridiculous like, Other number. countries, like, when they want to make fun of us, they just say, like, you guys really aren't the land of the free. Because <laughs> no. one third of your people aren't free. <laughs> it's like our prison population yeah. is the population of some countries. Right. Right. And as a developed nation, it's we're so behind the curve. So um, we have been. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my bad. Killing the game. <laughs> I didn't mean to, like, say, like. You are Cat's friend. <laughs> True. Wow. Cat sister. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean like in everything, like in advancements and technology. I didn't mean. I'm proud to be an American. Uh, I just meant just like, to get that out there. I'm gonna run for president justice, one day. In terms, right, of, in terms of, justice, of justice, I mean, we were we we're definitely the last in the game to like get rid of executing children. Right. And, oh my I god. Mean, we're and we're still. I mean, look at us yeah. now. We we're we're still okay with executing people at all and plenty of other civilized and developed countries look at us and they're like what why are you living 200 years ago Mm -hmm. nobody does that anymore i read a statistic that uh most developed nations have lower um so we have five times higher jail population than most developed nations. And then a lot of developed nations have lower sentencing. So like what? Mm-hmm. It, so in America, I think you get like you can get up to like five years for assault where like in Britain, in Britain you'll get or it was like Britain or Germany or something. You only get like a year or something or it's, or it's something like six months in a year. So it's like you're in prison. If you you're probably actually guilty if you like go to prison and mandatory minimums are sick here yeah you can steal a pack of gum and go to jail for 10 years here if you black and it might be mandatory somewhere yeah yeah so wait tell us a little bit more about like mandatory minimums uh that was like part of the war on drugs that kept going on that was part of the clinton administration too Mm -hmm. it was um but basically it was that uh if you were even caught like you it's just simple possession um you know you'd have there's no there's the judge doesn't have any choice but to sentence you to uh the minimum and it mm-hmm. could be like 10 years something ridiculous for possession that's so, that's so sad. i don't like know the exact yet the yeah. exact numbers but they're pretty bad um and so f- that's why obama did what he did when he commuted the sentences of all of those um offenders who just like had possession and yeah. had been in prison for like over 10 years at that point. So there ain't no benefit out of the doubt in the law. But so they think, <laughs> geez, they, the reason that Ooh. they, they did that, they legislated that is because they thought 
I mean, there's like this school of thought that like if you know what the punishment is and you know how bad it is, people will just stop doing that. And that's actually <laughs> that's so stupid. Who said that? <laughs> Has nobody had a child? No one. <laughs> Not me. Jeez, it's like you tell a child they don't that's do something. Obviously ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's not that's that doesn't even come close to solving our problems with um, drug addiction mm-hmm. or anything. And I mean, and yeah, part of the war on drugs, like the legislation on that, was feeding money into the policing of the drugs and the street crime Mm -hmm. um, and completely took away the money on prevention, education, and treatment. Right. Um, Whereas at the same time, there were other countries who were going through the same kind of epidemic in in their countries and Mm -hmm. doing the opposite and putting all of their money into prevention, education, and treatment. And (sighs) they're in a better position than we are now. Much lower recidivism rates. Yep, yep. Um, one of them is Portugal. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, but again, that's just, a lot of that stuff is code. Um, you know, they say like, we're being tough on crime. We're, we're doing this because people will do it less often if mm-hmm. like we make this a really bad punishment, but it's all just, it's all a way to control people that you don't like, or you're not familiar with, or you're not mm-hmm. comfortable with. And you just need to read basically the new Jim Crow. We yeah. need to get some Michelle woke Alexander. lawmakers. Woke yeah, lawmakers. Do. Yeah. We have Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. All of them need to be woke. Are. Yep. I agree. So if y'all could stop, you know, like voting for people like Rick Perry. And <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of which, like there's man. a really great app out right now that Ooh, I think is going to. Yeah, it'd be helpful for people who do want to kind of know what's going on, who represents you. It's called mm-hmm. Countable. Mm-hmm. And um, you sign up and you put in like your address and all that stuff. So you figure out like who your representatives are, both for state and federal. And um, you can see everything that they voted on. You can uh, vote on things, not like vote, but like you can put in like your preference for particular pieces of legislation that are coming up and it'll get sent to your congressman or your senator um, so they can see like how their constituents are wanting them to vote. What a time to be alive. Yeah. (laughs) Look at that. From my phone, I could drink my latte and give my opinion. You can see, yeah, you can see the way that like your uh, representative has been voting. Mm -hmm. You can check out their voting record. Um, you can see what kind of legislation they're even putting out. And so you can make better, more informed choices when you're yes. at the polls. Education every day. <laughs> I love it. Nice. So um, this has been amazing. I think everyone's learned so much. I've, yo, I've learned so much. It was eye-opening, I hope, for our listeners. Um, yeah, I mean... Laura Downey, you're the smartest. You are so smart. Oh, thanks, guys. You're... I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. I are mean, you our like, number one I... fan? <laughs> I told the... Misha this before. I, I'm i a loyal listener. I mean, I, I was brought in because, right, Kat's my sorority sister, and I had to I had You to had support. to come. I had to support. No, I mean, I had to listen. But okay, then, like, once I started that. listening, I mean, you guys you fell in love about, with no, me. You guys absolutely, absolutely did. (laughs) You guys talk about, like, really important things that, A, people don't necessarily know about already, or Mm -hmm. B, 
that they did know, but didn't know it the way that we know it. And so unlearning narratives that are harmful to us is just a part of growing up. Right. So. Yo, you're the best you first do. guest we ever could have had. <laughs> I really learned some stuff. Kat, did you learn? I, I think I said earlier that I learned a lot. Wow, you didn't have to call <laughs> me out. I'm unlearning and unhearing what you just said to me. She's a sasser. <laughs> but yeah, but so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was amazing. Everyone check out the new Jim Crow. Um... Lord, I don't know, do you have anything else you want to add? Oh, if you want to read about any of this other stuff, and if you're like a history geek like me and Kat are, mm-hmm. uh, check out Dog Whistle Politics by mm. Ian Haney Lopez. Really, really yeah. solid history of how this has all been built up. Um, as I said, The New Jim Crow, you have to have to read that one. It's mm-hmm. necessary. And Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. If you haven't heard of him, you need to know who Brian Stevenson is. Ooh. He is. Well, I can't swear on here, but you can. He's a shit. Ooh. In terms of civil rights attorneys go, <laughs> just mercy is where it's at. Nice. So awesome. So thanks for having us. For All right, wasn't that dope? Did y'all enjoy the second half? Did we are smart. Were you into it? Yeah. Yeah. We're small. We kind of, we, we really all learned. We learned. Yeah, man. It's part of the process. Well, as we continue unlearning, let's, uh, let's do, let's introduce a new segment. The personal is political. Mm. So there's been, so this is kind of, The policing of black women's hair has been a thing for the absolute longest. And you think, you know, 2016, we got we got black people in the White House. You would think that maybe they would just, you know, people would chill out and not make dress codes that actively and solely impact black women. But but this is the world that we live in. It's so tragic. So like. Wasn't there a school in South Africa or yes. something? This school in South Africa, I think run by white South Africans, basically were like traditional black hairstyles are banned. No afros, no braids, no bantu knots, no nothing. And these these girls at this school were like, Mm-mm, this is how my hair grows. Right. You are not <laughs> telling me that I can't wear my hair like this. These, I'm going to say these women... <laughs> said we protesting yeah we we ain't allowing you to do this to ourselves and you know what they won yeah man that's so that's like have you ever had to so much as comb through 4c hair and someone with 4c hair cat these people don't even know what 4c means right. <laughs> for what you- <laughs> Like, you would personally, if you had to deal with my hair texture, you would look for any remedy and understand why braids is braids are completely necessary for the health of your hair, for the growth of your hair. And I mean, so, for just time, though. Yeah. If you got yeah. a child, you no offense, cat, with your texture hair, 
You ain't, you ain't got it ain't <laughs> five minutes for me. I ain't coming for you. I'm just saying you can't do that hair in five minutes. You got to set aside some time. <laughs> That's that very hair. true. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an hour it of my night. Let me just yeah. wake up in the morning and comb through this hair. That's why I had to get braids, man. But if these people trying to make these rules, trying to put on oppressive, oppressive rules on these people had to do your hair for one month. I would guarantee you they would be like, yes, braids. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do all this stuff. But I think it's this is also a problem in the United States with a lot of mm-hmm. private schools who are trying to enforce uniform rules that ultimately are formed based off of white standards. So you're saying no afros, no braids, but that's because Sally Sue <laughs> has straight hair. But also I think this really brings up the idea of people who are white wearing traditionally black hairstyles Mm -hmm. because people see it and they start to think of it as a fad and they think of it less as a necessity for certain groups of people. Right. So like when the Kardashians and Jenners of the world are like wearing hairstyles that originated in Africa, it's just like, it takes away the legitimacy and Mm -hmm. it's just like, no, this, you know, why it's been done for centuries and centuries because that is how we maintain hair health. And that is how we survive with this texture hair. But see, some people don't see it that way. Yeah. Some people are like, oh, all these white people coming to school with braids in their hair now. This is uncalled for. You're trying to be trendy. <laughs> no braids. And the black people are like, but wait. But I just detangled this for four hours. How am I going to keep it detangled? I need my braids. Right. This is when you just don't have any cultural context. And exactly. you're trying to make rules. And I think like schools have a certain level of responsibility to have cultural competence. And like that should be, it should honestly should just be required. Like if you have any just an ounce of diversity in your school you should have some level of cultural competence and like an understanding of how of why cultures are different and like why people are different and have respect for that so enforcing unrealistic roles based in like the white oppression of people of color well you know what i'm proud of those young women in south africa who stood up for themselves yeah because a lot of young folks i don't know if they would have done that yeah so kudos you go women all right um that will wrap up our show for today thanks for listening uh you can check us out on twitter at unlearn underscore shy hit us up on facebook at unlearned you can email us at unlearnedpodcast at gmail.com and you can check us out on our website, unlearnedpodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if, you, if you're feeling the show, write a review. Uh, give us as many stars as possible, preferably. <laughs> we really appreciate that. Um, and check out some of the other shows on the Pulsonis Network. And yeah, keep supporting people of color females and queer voices have an awesome day bye bye post loudness 